it, cut it. Can we, can we get rid of that? Cut it. Not a fan. Not, is, is that like fucking diet nickelback or something? Seriously, have we got something even more generic you can find to put people fucking sleep? Jesus. Look, let's cut the shit. 30-minute interviews released weekly. We're going to talk to some everyday Australian guys, ordinary blokes who have been through something extraordinary. It's going to be raw. It's going to be emotional. But hopefully you can go away with some tips and tricks, maybe some good habits that will get you through your own rough patch of life. We're trying to break a stigma here. Blokes don't talk, so we're starting a conversation. Yeah, mate, no worries. Let's let's fucking go again. Outro music. Show us your picture, Chad. Hey, Aaron, how are you? Well, thank you. Speaking to a Mr. Aaron Thomas. Out of curiosity, mate, are you a Nickelback fan? I've, al- I've always worried I'm going to greatly offend someone that's right into a, a bit of Nickelback with that with that intro. And I am uh, guiltily myself, so I, I can't actually can't actually complain too much. To be honest with you, I think my first, my second ever CD purchase was a Nickelback CD many, <laughs> many, many years ago. Which, so yeah, nah, which, I'm not offended at all. Which album can you remember, mate? Oh, I honestly can't remember, mate. I, I know it had, I know it had their, their, um, their basically the one song that I remember of them. Um, I can't even think what it was bloody called now. Anyway, there was only about five songs on the CD. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was a while back. All right, all right, man. So let's um, let I know you've done a few of these, but let's let's start from scratch yep. and, and and tell us uh, tell us who who Aaron is. Where where were you born? How old are you, mate? And, and where'd you grow up? Right, so um, born in Frankston, Franger, but um, my family actually lived down on the Mornington Peninsula, so near Balnearing. Um, I'm 36, and uh, we moved to Gippsland in about 89, 1990, after my mum and dad separated. Yep, yep. Where, where'd you land on your feet in Gippsland, mate? Where was that based? Uh Tara Valley, so about twenty k's, um, sort of northeast of um, Yarram, where I reside now. Pretty, pretty gorgeous part of the world. Um, so yes, it was. So, so tell us about your school journey, then, man. Yep. So I went to a little school of about fifty-two students at Devon North, um, and then um, finished there. So I finished my primary school education there. And then went to Yarram Secondary College. Um, and when I was there, there was uh, only about 400 students at the college at that time. Um, I still think they hover around there. I'm not sure. There could be more. There could be less. But, yeah, basically Devon North and then into Yarram High School. Yeah, beautiful. So I guess we should have obviously got listeners around Australia. So so Yarram's Wellington by Shire, but basically in the eastern aspect of South Gippsland. Is that pretty fair description? Yeah, so basically, um, probably, I always say when people say, oh, where's Yarram? Well, basically near Port Albert, near Wilson's Prom, down on down on the coast there, about 45-minute drive down to Wilson's Prom. Yeah, so stunning part of the world, um, quite undulating and, and good annual rainfall, so mainly a farming yeah. area, is that fair to say? Yeah, yeah, predominantly farming, predominantly, and dairy at that. Yep. Yep. So what was the journey after school? How long you went school to? I uh, went right through to year 12. 
Um, graduated and then set off to the thriving metropolis of Melbourne and went to uni and did a, um, did a um, nursing, um, did bachelor in nursing um, and specialised in um, emergency care, ED. Yeah, wow, mate. Where, where did you study? RMIT in the city. Yeah, beautiful. A bit of uh, background. I yep. did uh, a double in, and I'm just a year older than you, so 2001 I started a double in nursing and naturopathy at Latrobe Bundura, and I got about three years into four and, and had a moment where I just realised that was never going to be my, my everyday job and, and, and walked away with about half a year to go. Yeah. 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 Well, I... I only worked for about two and a half, three years and gave it away. Yeah. What, what caused that? Um, probably just didn't, just wasn't for me. Um, at the time just thought this wasn't for me. Um, but yeah, as the conversation goes on, we'll, we'll probably be able to link it up to why, why it wasn't for me. Understand um, that. yeah. And, and moved, moved, moved back to Gippsland, came back home basically. Yeah. Okay. So what was the career path from there? Um, so came back home, bit bummed out, did a little bit of travel. Um, and, um, basically I always had an urge to, to come back to farming. I, um, I did a little bit of, um, relief milking and whatnot as a kid. Um, and even when I was at study at, well, whilst I was studying, I should say, um, to, you know, sort of support myself, it wasn't bad pocket money actually, to be honest. Um, and sort of always wanted to give it a fair income crack. Like I, I really wanted to, you know, sink my teeth into, into dairy farming. Um, and so in 2008, I applied for a, um, a, a position on a dairy farm and I'm still here. Yeah. Well, wow. so, um, yeah, so, um, yeah, went, yeah, basically followed my dream and yeah, went into the, into the farming industry and yeah, now, um, here I am still. 12 Twelve years later, you still are on, on your own feet. Yeah. So yeah. I, I probably missed the question earlier, mate, or maybe robbed you of the chance to tell it. But when when you had the move, and it was kind of based around um, your family separation, there, who who was it as a part of you that moved um, to the Aram region? Uh, with my mum and my other siblings. Yep. Yep. What other siblings you got, so, mate? Um, a brother and a sister. Yep. Okay. No. No worries. So all younger. Yeah. Two years. Two years between us, and I'm the oldest of the three. Yep. Yep. Okay. So, um, and what's um, what's your own relationship situation and, and family status now? Um. Currently single. Um. So my ex partner and I separated about three years ago now. Yep. Um. Three. Three beautiful little girls. Um. Yeah. And we pretty much co-parent. Um. My girls just just went home to their mums today after being with me for um, a few days. They're just in Yarram. I'm 13 Ks out of town at a little little farming area called Wanron. <clears throat> pardon me. And so yeah, they, they just come and go as, as much as they as they please. It's um, not a not a stitched up agreement. It's really, really casual and yeah, we're having a ball with it to be honest. Oh fantastic. And and very close yeah. as well. Can't can't hurt. Yeah. So uh, Yeah, no, it's fantastic. Aside from profession, what were your sort of what were your hobbies growing up, and, and and what were your what were your hobbies as you moved into adulthood? I guess. Um, a bit of everything actually. Um, um, so, um, always been very athletic. Um, so a lot of running, a lot of swimming, um, a lot of racket sports. Um, 
I'm not a real big bloke, so I got smashed around on the footy field. So, um, and um, but also sustained. I also have, I've had quite a lot of injuries, um, which has been a bit of a bummer. So I've already had a knee reconstruction, shoulder reconstruction, um, shattered my right arm. So I've had plate and pins put in that, and plate and pins taken out of that. So, um, so sort of contact sport was never really going to be a goer for me just because of the injuries that I've got. Um, so yeah, just did basically a lot of solo stuff. So a lot of, um, um, pretty keen cyclist. Um, so did a lot of bike riding, a lot of running, a lot of swimming. Um, yeah, so that was sort of my main sports, but yeah, a bit of a sports nut. So, um, love, love the AFL, bit of a, um, Essendon Bombers diehard. Um, <laughs> if, yeah, so if I turned my um, laptop around, mate, you'd see a fair bit of Don's memorabilia on the wall as well. So much, oh, much yeah, respect. Yeah, yeah. So um, pretty much, yeah. Followed those interests um, right throughout. Um, uh, yeah, um, the last thirteen years, it's just yeah. Base, I've sort of poured my heart and soul into farming um, to get to the position that I'm in the industry now. Um, but yeah, still, still follow those sports. I'm not sure if you can see that there's a but a pretty mad bike against the couch there. Very nice. Um, but I do a lot of, um, yeah, a lot of cycling. So, Yeah, fantastic. Yeah. Well, that kind of sets up, uh, I guess, the framework of, of what makes up the man that's you at a very shallow look. So I, I know there's some, some really yeah. interesting parts of the story yet to come. So might uh, cap it at an early halfway point there, mate, and we'll get into the, get into the more serious chat shortly. Yeah, sure. And now, a word from our sponsor. Nah, just fucking with you guys. We're never going to monetize this. This is your resource. And blokes, this round's on me. As we move into the next section of this conversation, we're going to be asking some pretty real questions. We're going to take things a level deeper. It'll be raw, but hopefully we'll come up with some tips and techniques that might help some fellas out there get through a bit. If what we discussed today raises some emotions for you, either from something you've got through in the past or something you're currently dealing with, discuss it with someone in your life you trust. If someone isn't immediately available or if you're quite anxious about the feelings that you uncover, call Lifeline Australia. They're available 24-7, they care and they're very professional. 13 11 14. Alternately, have the chat with your GP. Discuss going on a mental health plan if you're having a rough time. There's no shame in it. Get a little bit of counselling. Get yourself travelling in the right direction. If the voice in our head gets a little bit negative, it doesn't magically get better. We need to introduce a professional. Someone who has a bit of rationality. Someone who has a bit of positivity. Somebody who can help us not just survive, but thrive. We need you fellas and we want to see the best of you. All right, man, we'll crack back in because I, I can't wait to hear um, a bit about y your story and background because I know, I know you've been through some shit and seen some shit. So um, the, yeah. we kind of deep end you a little bit with this question format, but what's the hardest thing that you've ever had to go through, would you say? I know you've probably got a couple of things on the list, but if you could identify one thing. Um, 
the hardest thing, well, probably the one thing that I, I it, it still brings me undone is uh, losing mum um, to cancer um, because I was so involved um, with that, with that, um, with that journey, I suppose. Um, yeah, that, that's, that's probably the hardest thing that I'm, I'm dealing with, um, still dealing with, um, today now. So how old would have you been Aaron? Um, mum died in 2011. So, um, I was, um, what was I, uh, God, what's that? Eight years. So, um, uh, late twenties. Late twenties. So you you were back. You not back, but you, you were. Um, that was in the farming phase of your career, I guess. Where was Mum yep, based at yep, the time? Yarram. Yep. Yarram as yep, well. So Yarram. right, right close to, to home. Yep. So yeah. So yeah, right there. If you're happy to, mate, take me a bit of um, a bit of what that journey was like, and and over what sort of period of time you were helping your mum through that and whatnot. Yeah. Okay. So, um, well, mum's journey started way back in, um, the late nineties, um, when they found a melanoma on her arm and, um, we didn't, we weren't living with a terribly desirable fella at the time being mum's partner. And, um, I remember we left, we left, um, you know, we left for school that morning and came back that night and, was told basically mum's had a life life saving operation to remove this mole out of her arm, and um, yeah, it wasn't a it wasn't a typically um, pleasant time, and um, they end up uh, taking a massive massive hole out of her forearm. Like if you imagine the size of a baseball, you could fit a baseball in a in the cavity in her arm, and it was there for forever. And then um, to, to fill it all in and to do the surgery, they actually took a big skin graft off the top of her thigh. And um, so it was melanoma. Um, so they, um, you know, they, they, they did that radical surgery and basically took it out. Um, Move forward about 10, day, 10 years to the day, um, you know, 10 years later on, um, their cancer came back. And um, obviously, being being in the medical profession and being a nurse, um, I actually take a step back. So when Mum had that very first surgery, I actually um, was made, I suppose, to take substantial time off school um, to to help Mum um, because our stepfather was off doing whatever he wanted to do. We had a caravan park business, so I was answering phones and making bookings and whatnot, and and helping Mum. Um, throughout the day because she was basically almost sort of uh, couch or chair bound for about six weeks while all these wounds and all the operation um, uh, came good, I suppose. And anyway, um, so so I was there for that. I, you know, was there every day with the district nurses rocked up to do the dressings. And I think I suppose that's what maybe sparked my interest in, in going into the nursing field, um, I guess. And then um, it was almost 10 years to the day. Um, so in August 2011, um, yeah, 2011, uh, the, they found the cancer came back and um, it came back hard. Like it was absolutely ferocious. So she had tumours in her spine, tumours in her adrenal gland, liver, kidney, lungs, back, um, you name it. It was, it was there. 
and um, by the November, she um, she had um, she had lost the battle, so she passed away on my bloody birthday um, on November 2011. So, and I was there right through right through that journey as well as working full time. I was also going to doctor's appointments with mum because you you know Braden Medicos they have their own lingo. And um, I was sort of digesting it and then, you know, sort of regurgitating it back to mum in sort of layman's terms just to try and, you know, you know, hopefully for her to understand it. And um, I remember this one particular time I went to the, um, the oncologist with her and mum sort of walked out of the room or walked shuffle. It was, yeah, whatever it was. Um, and I sort of turned around to her doctor and I said, um, you know, I said, we're not real flash, are we? And you could sort of see he sat back in his chair and was about to go through all this um, rigmarole. And I just said, look, don't don't bullshit me, mate. Just tell me straight up we're fucked. And he just said, yeah, I, I don't have high hopes for me yet for your mum. So, um, yeah, it was um, it was brutal the way it, it, it happened. It was three months, basically, from, from it coming back to the day we lost her. So, and I was there for nearly the whole step of the way. Pretty crazy, man. So, like, yeah, that I, was um, yeah, that was, yeah, it was, it was, yeah, it was. There's, mem- there's, there's parts of it that I regret, um, because I have now just solid, solid memories, um, of you know, mum in doctors' hospitals. I'm in doctors' rooms, and mum, you know, dying, dying in front of me, and you know, um, it just, and all these things just. You know, instead, it, it, over, it almost overtakes the good memories because I've just got all this shit that just floods in all the time and it's all the bad stuff. Um, so, yeah, uh, you know, probably regret maybe being so involved, but just natural instinct just kicked in and um, at the time didn't, didn't think anything of it. Um, yeah, very, very relatable, man. I'm not sure if um, Sammy Reynolds actually knew much of this when she suggested specifically I reached out to you other than the great work you're doing in the in the field of mental health and rural mental health and men's mental health but um my my mum had breast cancer from um well you know on and off from probably 14 through 17 through me and and that was in I I wouldn't say as as negative things about my father at the time because it was my father was the the other male kind of in the situation but that they separated at that time he he they were probably on the way out anyway, but he certainly couldn't um, deal with a situation that he couldn't fix, I guess, as most of us blokes are pretty shithouse at. So he, he bailed yeah. and, and I had kind of had to step up to the plate as it, as it sounds like you did. And, and I'm very fortunate my mum, yeah. my mum uh, pulled out of it and, and um, you know, we still hold, hold our breath every year when she gets her annual blood test and the likes. But um, uh, mm. completely relate that one, there's fucking nothing that's more of a, a shock to your system, but, but also that you don't have a choice, so you just step up and and do what you can do to help, yeah. I guess. That's right, yeah. Um, and with regards to the other stuff you mentioned, it's probably, you know, it's interesting for me to hear someone else say it as well. My father passed away three years ago um, pretty brutally and, and quickly as well. And, and what you said about those memories, I guess, of the real yuck stuff, um, consuming the broader picture when you look back at your relationship with them, it's... It's very true, and it's it's probably something I need to go away and put some work into um, spending some more time thinking about the great memories with with my dad rather than, you know, the fairly traumatic ending. 
Absolutely. Yeah. It's something that I, um, I struggle with a lot. And, you know, at the time I actually did question myself, you know, do I need to step back a little bit from this? Cause mum had a great partner at the time, um, you know, when we went through this second cancer bout and I sort of felt like a few times I might've been stepping on his toes a little bit. Um, but it was just instinct for me. I, 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 I you know, it, it was everything that I'd, you know, spent three years training and work learning and all that. It just, it, it was instinct. I just, I just had to, um, it just kicked in. Didn't even know I was doing it to be honest. Yeah. Uh, I, I, no. I don't know shit about shit. Uh, just basing it off what you've said and what I, I had to go through. But I, I dare say that um, out of something terrible that uh, your mum was certainly lucky and, and no doubt very appreciative to have you have that skill set and want to be there to to help her with what was going on. Uh, I hope so. I hope so. I'm sure I, I'm sure I was a pain in the ass as well. <laughs> um, but, yeah, uh, I, I suppose I hope I gave her some, um, some comfort um along the way yeah just um hang on to that and and hope i did i'm pretty sure i did but you know i sort of don't i don't dwell on on my involvement too much um yeah but that was um that was mum's mum's journey with cancer so it's fair to say i fucking hate cancer and um yeah i suppose a bit later on we'll sort of maybe brush on touch on a few things that i'm doing um as well to yeah, help, help with cancer research. No, sounds sounds fantastic. I'd be very keen to explore that further. Now, you know, I, I know that nothing makes something like that better. It'll it'll always be, um, you know, fucking gut wrenching, I, I guess. And and with how much of a workaholic you are, I doubt at the time you were doing much other than being everything your mum needed and and working your butt off as well. But was there any other um, positive habits at the time? Uh, or, or in the grieving process, even that that you think helped that um, you know some other people out there going through something similar might be able to implement to get them through. Um, back at the time, I didn't do anything right. Um, I didn't deal didn't deal with it. I didn't get help um, to deal with um, the loss of mum. I just sort of kept everything in. So I suppose um, my advice now after been through what I have and learning new skills that I have is, um, you know, blokes, whether it's males or females for that matter is um, you just, we need to talk and you need to talk and you need to, um, it's, you know, people say, Oh, you know, you shouldn't talk about it, but Oh fuck, you have to. It is so important um, to, to debrief in anything that's traumatic in anyone's life, whether it be a loss of a life or, or a, um, or traumatic situation in any sense, you, you've got to talk about it. You've got to debrief about it. And, you know, it's bloody hard to do that. But, um, you know, for me that, that I just wish I had done that at the time. I wish I had have um, got help um, to deal with, to deal with what I was um, dealing with. Um, but I, I didn't, I didn't get the help. I, um, yeah. It, but yeah, that would be my one piece of advice um, would be just to, we yeah, please, please, we're gonna talk about it, and you've got to debrief. It's it's uh, crazy, man. I've been I've been reading a lot of literature, um, you know, psychology studies out, out of the states recently about dealing with with trauma, and and, and one I, I read uh, it was specific to female sexual assault victims, and and I think 
probably yeah. this is an assumption on those psychologists, but you'd think the deep lying psychology of um, having something that brutal happen to you entirely out of your control, but there'd be common themes any, anyway with regards to the sort of stuff that we're talking about. And um, the, the the literature showed that um, the females that were able to uh, talk and talk often about what they've been through yeah. in, in pretty much as awful a details as possible um, were the ones that would both, uh, you know, to some extent emotionally heal quicker and would stay yeah. stay functional for longer, hope, hopefully for the rest of their lives, but would be able to move on from that incident and, and deal well, well with their lives. Yeah. So it's, it's hard, uh, you know, um, as I'm sure you find, I find trying to tell someone about the worst parts of our life, there's almost a guilt you feel with with conveying the worst details of that. Um, but I guess the good people in our lives are probably happy to help us share that burden. And it's probably also what helps us the most, I guess, to move on to some sort of functionality and take the real sting out of how awful a situation it is. Yeah. No, look, um, I think I might have read a little bit of the same thing and I, I, I was relieved because... When I say that, you know, you got to talk about, it, you got to talk about it. I feel, and then I go, oh fuck! Like some people are so traumatized by it that I, I can understand how it's, you know, when when you hear someone banging on saying, oh, talk about it, you think, oh shit! And then when you see um, reports and stats coming out that, you know, back up my the way I feel, I think, oh, thank God for that because yeah, um, it's so true. It is so so true. I, I think um, just just adding to what you're saying, which which is totally true to my experience as well. Uh, I can only speak for me, but but what I've seen in terms of research supports that no matter how well you compartmentalize something and avoid it for as long as possible, you, you, you're carrying it. It's not going away. So um, at some stage, uh, you know, unraveling it and being being happy to discuss it in full candor. Um, will only help your recovery from having had to go through it. Absolutely. So yeah. you kind of um, went to discuss it, but it obviously wasn't true to the question I asked initially, mate. But what hindered Aaron? Like, what um, vices or bad habits did you indulge in at the time? Um, if you did at all, you might have just been too busy to do anything good or bad. But what did you resort to that didn't help you process that grief at all? Alcohol. Yeah. Huge fucking amounts of alcohol. I was a I was a high functioning alcoholic for probably the a good ten years. Is is that something that was so, was evident within you before you had to confront this with your mum or, or was it something that kind of reared its head then and, and exacerbated then? Oh, absolutely! Read its head then. So, um, I was a, I was a bit of a, um, like in my early teens and early twenties and all that. I was a, I was a bit of a fitness freak, and I wouldn't touch the shit. I just wouldn't touch it. Um, just didn't see the need. Uh, and then, um, once I left nursing and and sort of came back to the country, I think I sort of got sort of sucked into that sort of um she'll be right type of attitude. Um, and, and, but looking back now, things were starting to unravel in my, in my life. Um, and 
before you knew it, I um I was drinking a few beers of a night, and it just it went from a few to a few more to a few more to a few more to a few more to a few more, um right up until about three years ago, I was just a um full blown um alcoholic. So were you managing it? You, so, man- you mentioned um that you were a highly functional alcoholic. Were you managing to yep. to keep up your current routine to some to some extent despite that? Oh, fuck you, mate. I, I, I was unbelievable at hiding uh, hiding it, I suppose, or um, I, I, I was on my own farm, so um, I really – I milked on my own. I did everything on my own. I milked – like, I, I milked morning and night on my own. I worked all day on my own. Um, you know, I sort of would come and go from the house. My partner, she obviously knew that I drank, Um but probably didn't know how much I was actually um, I was actually drinking at, at you know at the time. Um, so yeah, it, it and as the as my story sort of evolves, you'll you know you'll see how how it spiraled out of control. But um, through those you know um, when Mum was you know um, obviously had cancer and all that, you know I'd I'd always have a couple of beers and I'd always be the life of the party. It'd always be. You know, if there was a if there was beers going, I'd be I'd be into it. Um, but yeah, no no one probably really knew how hard I was really hitting um, hitting the grog. So it it probably sounds like a dumb question, mate. But there's probably lots of people out there that have other vices, or or maybe yeah. maybe don't come from a you know somewhere where culturally alcohol is a bigger part of it. So um, explain yeah. for us how how much that made things worse and why. Um, at the time it didn't make things worse. <laughs> like, you know, that was my, you know, I didn't think it was making things worse. Um, but looking, looking back at it now, knowing what I know now and the work that I've done, I, I could see how it was, it was, it was killing me. Um, you know, it was absolutely, it was going to kill me. Um, and I, I was funny, like I, Toward the end of toward the end of um my you know toward the end of my journey before I um before I uh, you know started to put my life back together, um alcohol would be the only thing that would let's face it we all everyone who oh, I don't know if you've drank Braden but everyone who drinks you know you you get pissed and then you get that you get that happy feeling you know you sort of get that feeling where you know, everything's good. It doesn't matter what happened. Like, you, you know, I, I was needing to get to that, to that point every day. Um, and it was really, it was consuming my life to the point where I, I didn't, I actually didn't know how to live. I didn't know how to function without it. I, I didn't know how just to, to come home. I um, mean, come back into the house and just relax. The only way I knew how to do that was with, um, with grog in my hand um, and you know as much as I love my mum she had a de- she had a demons um, and my I've always I was always brought up around um, a family of big drinkers and you know I think early on in my life I shied away from it because I didn't want to be like that but I, I, I came back I came back to it um, and yeah and it it really, it really, um, it really got hold real quick. 
Mate, I might, because I think we're kind of heading there anyway, Aaron, so I might flip the order we normally do these questions in because you're, you're such a candid bloke. I reckon you'll give us um, a really interesting answer and it'll probably take us further down your story anyway. So um, one yep. of the other questions I, I ask the guys that are comfortable with it is, is what would you identify as sort of the most embarrassing thing you, you've done or, or what was your bottom out, I guess? Um, t- t- take us Take us through... The, the worst it got for you, I guess. Losing my license for drink driving. Other than just the sh- um, shame of that, tell, tell us how that affected your broader life, I guess, mate. Uh, well, what it did is, is um, for 10, 12 years of my life, um, before, before 2017, 2017 is the magic year, okay? So... You know, jot that down. So before 2017, all I did all my life was um, felt like I had to prove people wrong. Um, I felt like I had to be this person that I wasn't. I constantly was building a a safety wall in front of, around me um, because I didn't want people to know. I didn't want people to, um, to, 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 I was afraid. Um, what people were going to think of me. I was put on such a pedestal within our community, especially within the dairy industry. Um, I was so shit frightened that um, I was going to lose all my support. I was going to lose the, the, the respect that I thought that I had. Um, and so when I got done for drink driving up in dairy, up at dairy week at that, it was broadcasted everywhere. You know, my family fucking heard about it on the ABC News. Um, you know, I couldn't hide from it anymore. And so what it did is it it, it forced my hand. And I just, this, that one time um, just completely crashed all the work that I'd done. You know, all the work that in my head of building these walls, building this fake persona, keeping this facade up all of a sudden just come crashing down because I had nowhere to fucking hide. I had nowhere to turn. I had nowhere to go. And that for me was the most embarrassing. That that still wakes me up at night. That still wakes me up at night knowing that I put my, I, oh, this is going to sound like I'm going to contradict myself here. It, it, I put my life in danger by doing that but that didn't worry me as much now as the fucking danger that i put other people's life in by doing that by doing that by driving pissed um and that for me without a doubt is it's stuff that i still work with today it's stuff that still can bring me um bring a good day undone when i start to dwell on it and start to um think about it um yeah that that for sure without a doubt is was the um the the hardest the hardest thing that i had to um deal with in terms of um embarrassment um shame guilt um all of those words all of them i i've i've felt it yeah mate probably probably something i've i've robbed of robbed us of a bit of context with the uh, the question structure there but just for for the listeners it probably needs to be said that um you know 
you're not just someone that now has a, an interesting story and a voice because you've been through some mental health challenges. You you were a very intelligent man and, and uh, were a real at-your-age mover and shaker in, in the dairy industry, fair to say. Like, you were being interviewed by ABC, interviewed by Weekly Times on, on the merit of um, your business sense and, and uh, your approach to farming. Um, you were already developing a, a real name for yourself uh, successfully. So, so when you say that you're a highly functional alcoholic and, and when you say, you know, just a, a DD charge was the bottom out for you, um, you're not some, some, you know, yokel that can't do anything apart from farm. You, you, were, you were and are a very successful man in that field, correct? Um, yeah, and I suppose, and the, and, and the, and the thing um, that I was, in terms when, you know, your great question was what's the most embarrassing thing. The thing was, was for, for years prior to that, like you said, with the, um, the, the papers and the, the recognition in the industry, is I, I can re- I now remember the whole time I did those interviews, I could always I always felt like a fraud. I always felt like I was a fraud because I just wanted to fucking come clean. I just wanted to someone to to ask the right question and I reckon I would have spilled my guts. And then all of a sudden to be to be, you know, broadcasted all uh, around all these these networks that um, I used to go to because I was, you know, being interviewed as Weekly Times dairy farmer finalist and all this stuff. All of a sudden, I was broadcasted as this um, stupid fucking idiot that got caught drink driving, and not just drink driving, mate. I was blind, and now all of a sudden, here I am now being um, sprouted across all these networks as um, this dickhead. We all we all have our feelings around people who drink drive and and all that stuff, and then. Yeah, it just, it, I had so many other emotions and so many other things going on in my head that, you know, some people say, oh, look, Aaron, plenty of people do it. You know, it's a lesson. Oh, fuck, it was more than a lesson to me. It, it was a lesson, but it was also a life-saving lesson because it actually also saved my life Yeah, by getting caught. So, so take, take us forward from there and specific to that, what... What was the extent of that bottom out? I know you, you've identified a key a key moment there where where you realised yep. the depth of the problem, but um, you know, oh uh, yeah, there was there was a couple of other um, bottom out, um, you know, situations. You know, I, I've had a I've had a loaded gun in my mouth twice, um, ready to do it, um, and yeah, and so there was that that. Then the drink driving um, conviction, and then obviously almost being made made to um, to publicly acknowledge um, what I was going through, um, and so yeah, there'd been there'd been a couple there'd been a couple of bottom of rock hit bottom um, moments, and you know I, I remember the second time. I was going to, um, I was going to, uh, take my life. I, I actually, I remember, um, you know, I used to plan it all out and the day before I made about 30 phone calls to all my friends and family and all this stuff, just talking shit, you know, how you going? Oh yeah, going really good. Everything's going grand. Everything's going grand. Knowing that I had loaded the gun, um, ready to go the next day because 
I'm I'm a meticulous. Um, I knew that I knew that if I made the decision to do it, and if I had to go and load the gun and then do the job, I probably wouldn't have done it because I I would have thought about it. But I was I I used to premeditate everything. So I I'd made all my phone calls. I'd told everyone how you going. I checked in with everyone. You know, made sure my wall was rock solid that no one knew. You know, no one had any inkling what the fuck was going on. The only way they're going to find out what was going on when they knew I was dead. Um, and yeah, and the only reason I didn't pull the trigger is because a um, fella who was one of my reps came up the driveway, and um, and I, I for some reason I just dropped the gun and how the fuck it didn't go off by chopping it I, I don't know. And I sort of just walked out and pretended that nothing happened. And, and, um, and I, I sort of thought to myself, so this will sort of tee up a little bit about what happened when I went to Dairy Week was I thought to myself, right, I'm going to go to Dairy Week. I'm going to surround myself with, with all my dairy friends. I'm going to catch up with all my lost buddies and I'll, I'm going to get over this. You know, this is never going to happen again. I'm going to go to Dairy Week. I'm going to get off my farm. I'm going to relax. I'm going to see everybody. I'll come back a new man, re-energized. Boom. <laughs> Fucking hell. It was just so naive of me and, and just proved how in denial I was and how hard I was working at trying to keep up this persona. Um, so went to Dairy Week, surrounded by social, surrounded by things, lost my shit, got caught drink driving, came home um, from that day on my life has done a 360 degree turn. Crazy. Uh, uh, probably, probably gives you a little bit of a back backstory of, you know, just where I was in terms of my head. Yeah. Yeah. No. And, and, and definitely um, aspects of what you've, you've said there um, ring true to, I've, I've unfortunately lost probably three close mates, three really close mates. Um to, to suicide across the journey and, and I had a, a big bottom out probably 10 years ago and, and had reached, I certainly wasn't gun in mouth, but I'd planned, um, I, I'd set up yeah. those those sort of uh, walls that you mentioned there as to how yeah. how you would go about, um, I guess, protecting those around you and also preventing them from being able to stop it because you'd made your decision. I, I, I yep. really understand that. Now, t- two two quick questions I wanted to ask you because I think they're taboo topics for people yep. and, and I know that you have real good experience with them and a, and a big advocate. So obviously in my, my spiel that we, we do at the break there, I mentioned about, um, you know, if you're in that negative space, introducing a, a new new voice, um, whether it's a professional or, or someone, someone you trust that's stable around you. Um, obviously, the dairy industry is notoriously lonely. Um, you, you're such hard workers and you're out there doing a lot of shit by yourself. Um, tell, tell us from your perspective a little bit more about how important it is to be talking to people if, if you're starting to have a bit of a, a negative vibe going on in your own self-talk. Oh, absolutely. Um, so for me, when I finally got myself to the doctor... Um, and I, I look, this worked for me. It doesn't mean it's going to work for everybody, but I actually took, um, I actually took the, probably the closest person in my life with me. And that was my boss, Paul Mumford and took him along because he knew, he knew me. He, he fucking knows me better than I probably know myself. And I asked him to come along because I knew that, um, if I got there, I probably would have chickened out or pussyfooted around 
around the real the real stuff that had to be dealt with. So, um, you know, if, if, if some people are uncomfortable with maybe taking that first step on their own, you know, maybe ask someone to go with you um, and just as, just as a support, because I know when I walked in, I, 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 my t-shirt was just ringing wet with sweat, with anxiety. Um, and, 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 and it can be really a, um, it can be sometimes a real emotional shock to the system when you, when you, when you go to a doctor or a counselor or someone like that and you start talking, it can be a real shock to the system. So, um, you know, for me, taking Paul really, really helped. Um, you know, some people might not uh, be comfortable with that or maybe not feel that have someone um, that can fill that role. Um, but, yeah, uh, I just I just don't know how, how to um, really express how important it is just to take that first little step and just to talk to someone, you know, because, um, yeah, it's just so important. It just really is. It can, it, it can set up, it can set up your whole um, journey around to a better, better, better um, mental health. It really can. Um it's just so, so, so important to, to, to take that first little step. And you don't have to bear your ass and, um, and you know, um, really open up like I did. Um, that's just my nature. And it's not scary. Like it, it wasn't that, um, it wasn't that clinical. It wasn't that scary, um, you know, to, to do it. Obviously, they have a process that they follow. Um, so yeah, it's just so 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 important to to try and and um and take that first step. And if you need someone to help you, ask someone to go with you, just as a as a you know emotional support. And they don't have to be in the room with you, but they're there when you walk out. And that sometimes is the is the most important thing. Yeah, amazing man. And, and I think you're pretty much leading into it. As, as well, but I've, I've seen some of, of what you've said on the topic and it's another tab taboo topic, I guess, particularly for people that have no experience in it that just fucking need to have a strong opinion about something. But um, antidepressants, yeah. um, I'm, I'm, I'll happily say um, that, you know, during the worst period of my life, uh, I'm not sure that I would have got through it without antidepressants in, in combination with the counselling that I was getting. Um, what, do you, yeah. what are your thoughts and experience on that topic, mate? Absolutely. Um, I've been on them for three and a half years now and my antidepressants are just like someone who takes medication for cholesterol or for um, diabetes or anything like that. Mental health is a condition. It's not something that you go and fucking pick off the shelf and say, oh, I'll, I'll, I'll have that, you know, I'll, I'll have that today. Thank you very much. You know, you don't have a choice if you um, get diagnosed with heart disease. I mean, there's lifestyle choices, of course. But, you know, you don't get – you people who get diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis or people who get diagnosed with Parkinson's or people who get diagnosed with all these other um, conditions that medication can help you, mental health is no no different. So, um, for me, they're just a, they're just a, a tool in my box. Um, that I take every day 
and it keeps me level. It stops the spikes. It stops the, um, you know, I have lows. Don't don't get me wrong. I still do. But what it does is it, it gives you the ability to, to come back out of it relatively quickly. Um, and, you know, you, 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 you just... Yeah, you have the ability, you have the um, the 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 ableness to just to come out of it. And you know, I I just say to anybody, you know, do not, don't be embarrassed by them. Do not be ashamed by them. Um, they're there for they're there for a reason. And you know, you you, you can work with them. I started off on a huge huge dose. I'm now down onto a relatively small dose, and you just um, embrace it embrace it because let's face it you know yeah there's things that you can do in your life within your lifestyle to help um manage and help um learn to live with depression and anxiety but some people some people you know don't need medication some people can function some people can learn to live with it and handle it with ongoing counseling and ongoing um support like that but if you're the one of the people who need medication just take the bastards and be proud of it because they're there to do a job and that is to help you and to make your life a better life. And I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm not ashamed to say that I take my medication. I make light of it. Um, you know, um, yeah, they're, they're there for a reason and that's why they are made. They're made to help people. And that's like why drugs were made for cancer and why drugs were made for, you know, Parkinson's and heart attack and epilepsy and all that type of stuff. They're there for a reason. So take them. Yeah. Love it, mate. Couldn't, couldn't agree more. Now, yeah. obviously you've got just such a wealth of information in, in this side of the topic um, uh, that we could go on for forever, but I, I still want to cover the light stuff. Cause I think, I think a big part of, um, you know, men's mental health is, is trying to encourage guys to have habits that, have them loving what they're up to as, as much as possible, as well as the uh, the clinical nature of dealing with the problem when it does arise. So, um, I, I figure we'll yeah. jump jump back in into the the normal structure of questions, man, because I'd l- love to hear a bit more about the the light, not just the dark of your story as well. So, um, yeah. f- from what would you identify as as the best moment of of your life um, to date, man? I know. You and I are very similar age, and hopefully, plenty of years for us both yet to come. But, but to date, what what was the best moment for you? Um, you know, like I said earlier, I, I you know um, that you know I've got daughters, so obviously, being you know being a dad and and um, and having my kids around me, uh, you know, it's always an ongoing best moment in my life. I'm I'm a very hands on dad, um, but I think from a for a from a personal perspective um and from where i was to where i am now was last year when i crossed the the finishing line at geelong after doing the tour de cure um you know there is no way known um i would have been able to do anything like that um two three years prior because i just didn't have the mental um clarity i just didn't have the you know, everything for me was just about getting pissed and dealing with all the shit that I was going on. Yeah. So, you know, from um, crossing that finishing line at Geelong and having my aunties and my kids there, it just proved to me how far I'd come. Like I'd, I'd done all the training on my own. So the Tour de Cure is for um, cancer research. I'm, it's the one that Mark Barrett is involved. Yeah. Um, hopefully everyone has seen it. 
Um, you know, so I raised I raised a shit ton of money for cancer and um and rode my bike. Um, you know, I, I didn't do the whole tour um because it was I was only new to it and with my anxiety I, I sort of have to I've learned that I've got to sort of just take little steps at a time. So but I jumped on at Beechworth and I rode my bike from Beechworth down to Geelong, raised four and a half thousand um dollars for cancer research. Um, and, and still continue, you know, that, that huge amounts of K's that I, I was doing prior. Um, but yeah, I, I did something like, um, 750 K's in two days on the bike. Um, so yeah, that for me was a, a massive, um, probably personal thing, um, massive achievement knowing where I was to what I was capable of doing. Um, yeah, so that, that definitely for me would have to be the highlight um, since, you know, turning my life around and, 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 you know, practicing, you know, better, better mental health. Aside from, I think a lot of our um, listeners probably uh, familiar with um, Tour de Cure and, and the likes, but on a smaller, more, yep. more regular, um, you know, style of approach to it, I guess, um, tell us a little bit about, you know, cycling now as part of your life. And, and also I noticed that you're, yep. um, tied in to some extent with the Cycle Well crew, Ash and, and, and the guys there. So tell us a little bit about yep. that, that style of more of a almost a men's workshop style approach to, to cycling and, yeah. and mental health. Yeah. So, um, so I was, um, you know, sort of picked up cycling again and, um, and staggered, staggered across Cycle Well and Ash and shout out to Ash. I, I know he'll listen. Um, and yeah, and Ash was, you know, setting off this new, um, this new concept of a, of a, you know, basically a bloke's weekend away. Um, and the common link being cycling. Um, you don't have to be fantastic. You don't have to be great. But what it is, is it's a weekend where Ash assembles some of the best blokes um, in the industry around wellness and resilience, the likes of Paul O'Brien, Craig Harper, um, these type of fellas and you go away for the weekend and there's workshops, there's, um, there's just, it's just a real social laid back environment on basically getting some men, some coaching, some male, some coaching that's specified, um, specified for blokes. Um, and it's designed to, to get blokes, um, to leave the camp, um, and to be, be, be better humans, be better blokes, be better dads, better husbands, better partners, better just everything. Um, so, yeah, so I, I've been working pretty closely with Ash behind the scenes. I've, um, I've only done one camp. Um, unfortunately, I was, I was going to, I wanted to do quite a few more, but um, logistics and whatnot was a bit challenging. Um, but yeah, that's, um, that's just something that I, you know, I play around with now. Um, there's a camp coming up in November, which I'm going to, um, so yeah, so sort of dabble around with that. Um, and yeah, it's, um, it's a fantastic little initiative to be a part of. And yeah, you know, I, I really, um, I really, you know, can't sort of praise it enough. It, it's a, um, it's a fantastic, uh, fantastic initiative. And I suppose it links into some of the stuff that I've, I bang on about how we just need to encourage blokes or give blokes the confidence, like what you're doing, Braden, giving blokes the confidence just to talk about shit. You know, it doesn't have to be mental health. It doesn't have to be anything. It can 
it, it can be anything that we want to talk about that we just don't fucking do it. And, you know, I, I think we're really starting to um, to make some um, some really good grounds in it. And, you know, it's big thanks to blokes like yourself who have the initiative to do it and, and Ash and, and all these other people who um, are happy to talk about it. And, yeah, it's something that, um, something that I get... <laughs> I get choked up about it's something that I'm, I'm really passionate about. And, um, you know, I, I don't want to be a hero. I'm, I'm, I hope I'm a hero to my kids. That's about all I, I, all I, um, all I fancy for, but I just, yeah, I just want to, I just want to talk about this stuff and I want to, um, you know, and I've got to, I've got to walk the walk as well. So yeah, it's, um, been, yeah, been fun. Yeah. Awesome, man. And you kind of led into my, my next question anyway, I guess. Um, uh, yeah. I know you're a very humble dude and 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 probably fairly self self critical even today. But what's what's the bravest or most um, honourable moment I, I guess uh, in in your story? What what do you look back on and, and think? Fuck, I, I met the mark that day. I'm pretty I'm pretty happy with that bloke. Yep, um, for me, without a doubt, is coming clean, telling everybody. Um, that I had shit ass mental health, telling everybody that I suffered from depression, telling everybody that I suffered from that I suffer from anxiety. For me, the bravest thing was was taking that first step and saying, I am absolutely stuffed of there's nothing in the tank and I need help and I need shit tons of it. That for me is without a doubt. The, the what I did on the 23rd of January 2017 was and what I've done from there onward it would have to be the bravest thing I've ever done in my life because I was fucking petrified of it I was shit scared of it and that without a doubt I, I just would absolutely be um the yeah in my mind the bravest thing I've ever done Awesome, man. It was funny before, and, and it's a common theme I'm noticing a little bit with some of the guys I'm talking to. Um, you talked about feeling like a like a fraud when you were kind of, um, you know, parading around getting a lot of recognition for you, your business prowess and, and your farming abilities. And um, uh, for me, I, I, and, and you may well feel like it since, but um, at some stage or another, and, and I, I guess there'd be, you know, I could indulge in feeling like an imposter in, in terms of putting some energy into something like this because at some stage or another I've fucked up nearly anything a, a man can. But but for me, um, and, and I hope you feel the same, you certainly deserve to, H- having been through that, um, survived and, and rebuilt myself and, and now being willing to be fairly earnest about it and, and ideally try and use it to help other blokes, um, I, I feel, uh, I don't know, em- empowered maybe by that. I, I certainly don't feel... Uh, broken now that I'm probably a more genuine version of myself. Oh, I missed that last bit, Braden. Oh, sorry, mate. I was, I was, I was just saying that that for me, I, I don't. Um, now that I, I am more, let's say, honestly broken and and, and flawed, I, I don't. Um, I find that quite in, empowering. I, I, I think yeah. a, a lot of guys, um, some of the questions some of the younger guys has asked is why don't guys open up to each other and whatnot? And I think there's this, uh, you know, Instagram culture out there of trying to be um, perfect and, and trying to judge yourself against other people's highlight reels. But the reality is, you know, we're, we're all in some way, shape or form a little bit, a little bit fucked up and, and there isn't anything wrong with that. It's, you know, oh. ha- ha- how we deal with it. 
absolutely. Absolutely. Fucking em- embrace it. Um, totally. Like, yeah, I, um, I just can't agree with you more. And I felt exactly the same way. Um, now that I've opened up and now that I talk about it and I share my story and, you know, like, you know, tonight we've sort of only, only touched on a few, uh, um, a few of the things in my life. Um, but, yeah, I feel the same. I feel this, um, this urge, you know, just to keep talking and keep sharing and keep, keep the conversation alive. Um, and not, yeah, yeah, it helps me, you know, in a, in a bit of a selfish way. It does help me because it, it, um, I talk about it and I, I get things off my chest and I think, oh, yeah, no, nah, no, nah, I'm, I'm, I'm heading in the, I'm still heading in the right direction that I want to head in. But for me, if I, if one, if one bloke, um, can pick up the phone and say to somebody, oh, I need a chat. I reckon everything that I'm doing, everything that you're doing, everything that, um, you know, other people are doing around this, um, around this, um, you know, this culture and, and of smashing the stigma down around it. Cause let's face it, it's stigma that's stopping us, stopping us blokes from really opening up, you know, um, I think our jobs are done. But we're gonna. I'm. I'm. I. I personally gonna keep the pedal. Pedal down. It's um. It's crazy you say that, man. Like I. I have um. Uh, some you know fantastic friend network, and and some of them will reach out to me around this project when I've been, in the in the process of putting it together, and and two things I guess will will come up, and and one is um that uh you know, uh, talk around monetization or, or or how you turn it into something is probably more true to it. And for me, uh, part A of that story is, is there's already a plethora of amazing organisations um, in the field that would know how to use it better. And and uh, secondly, for me, I, I don't need this to go anywhere other than what it is managing to, and I certainly don't need to get anything out of it. The, the handful of emails I've had from complete strangers um, letting me know about, you know, the darkest parts of their, their life and... and feeling relieved for being able to get that off their, their chest because someone cares yeah. and, and is hearing them. I mean, what what more could you, you ask of? I mean, h- how many hours do you need to justify putting into a cause if it saves one life, let alone multiple? Yeah. Um, Absolutely. Um, so, so true. So back into the try and scratch through these questions as we go, brother. So... Um, who would you identify as as a hero for you? Who do you most admire? Ooh, curly question. Um, who do I most admire? That can be personally or professionally. Does it? Does anyone? It like anyone? That, they don't need any notoriety. It's just what they mean to you. All right. I would have to say. It'd have to be my boss, Paul Munford. He has, um, what he has done, um, there, there is no, I, I feel there is no way known I can, um, how, how, how I could pay him back. He, um, he, he stood beside me. He picked me up when I was at my lowest. He, he still stands beside me. He still looks after me he is always there when i need him um and you know what he is doing in the industry that i work in 
um, as the UDV president. He, if there's one bloke that we um, that you know walks the walk, and it's Paul Mumford. If he says he's going to do something, he's going to do it, and he he is without. He, he's my hero. Um, he's my best mate. And he's, um, he's not just my boss, he's my best mate. Um, and yeah, he's, he's, um, he's a champion of a bloke. And yeah, he's someone that I really, really high, um, high, high, um, hold in, in great, in great admiration and, and I admire him a lot. Yep. A theme I'm sort of exploring through these, as you probably noticed with, with my interview with Jake, I think there's a, you know, merit to be said that the people that we look up to, um, obviously have, qualities that we admire and that we probably you know put people in in that uh on that pedestal for us that have qualities that we aspire to now not to put words in your mouth there but you've told the story of of um paul being you know definitely very reliable compassionate and, and quite brave in in what he offers you as a boss and what he's what he's doing for the um for the dairy community um, how do you think you're tracking, I guess, on the qualities that you admire in someone like that? Um, I, I hope I... Uh, are you there? No. Are you there, mate? Yeah, I can hear you fine. Yeah, you're a bit scratchy. Um, I, I hope I'm um, doing... Um, I hope, uh, the question, um, yeah, I just hope that I'm tracking, tracking along, um, the way, um, that I, I make him proud and my family proud and, and everyone else who has stood up, who stood beside me. Um, I remember saying one day that, you know, I, um, I smashed my old moral compass three years ago and and reset a new one and um i i i just i'd like to hope that you know i'm 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 tracking along nicely that i'm doing i'm doing everything that i you know i say i'm doing and um that you know you never know you never know what this could lead into um in in terms of maybe life after farming for me um so yeah that that for me is um you know, I, I look up at I look, I look up at the likes of Paul and and indeed yourself, and just think to myself, yep, you know, this is something that I feel really um, compassionate about. Something that I want to keep work. I don't find this hard. Uh, to me, this is not hard work. To you know, just talk about shit. Um, I, to me, it's not hard work at all. And you know, I remember Rex Hunt once said, you know, uh, I was listening to a podcast and he said, you know find something that you love doing and then get, get, get them to pay you for it and you'll never work a day in your life. So, you know, this might lead into something like that. Absolutely, mate. Now, in terms of that, that three years that you've mentioned, once, once you press the reset button in, in 2017 and, and I guess since have kind of done that whole be the hero of your own story business, what, what do you think's most admirable about the new new Aaron, what, what what would people look up to about you? Um, for me, I, I would like to think it. Um, I've found I've found the true Aaron. I found the old Aaron that um, used to be when I was nursing, and that's 
Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I know, I, I think I'm really, um, I'm really um, generous both with my time. Um, I'm generous with, with my life, my, 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 um, my home. Um, you know, our staff, they, they come down here and eat brekkie and, and stuff like that. I think, um, you know, I'm, I'm truly, um, I'm truly a compassionate person. And, you know, I think that's, um, that's the things that also make me feel um, that I'm, I'm doing the right thing is because, you know, hopefully I'm, I'm helping people. Um, yeah. And I'm not the, the, um, the, the, the short fused, um, frustrated ass wipe that I was, um, even though there were, there were reasons for, for those things. Cool. Cool. All right, man. So, um, one thing I tell the young guys I work with at, at footy or I've got a, a, a gym at home, um, I have, you know, young guys are having a rough time coming, come along to and do a bit of kickboxing and stuff. Um, is you know not just will you find a way out of this if you, if you give yourself the opportunity to but you know a day will come along when you'll be very bloody glad you did so for, for you currently with with where you're at and um, you know I wouldn't presume you've you've come full circle but you certainly uh, built yourself to go in a in a really good direction from here what's something that you're looking forward to or excited about mate um. Probably for me is um, the thing that gets me um, sort of the thing that I think about the most is um, you know where are these conversations going to lead me? You know, um, by putting myself out there as somewhat of an advocate um, for mental health, especially for um, you know for blokes in in, in the rural areas, um, you know, and sort of maybe. Um, leaning towards sort of agriculture a little bit more is just where where are these conversations going to lead me? Um, you know, I've already already know that I, I I'm not going to dairy farm for the rest of my life. Um, I know that. Um, physically, I just won't be able to do it. Um, so you know, and I this is something that's not even it's, it's not something that I'm actually um doing deliberately. It's just a natural course. So yeah, that that excites me. Is um, you know where where where's this going to lead me? You know um, what opportunities are out there? You know um, to 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 help people. Um, you know to get you know to get through to get through a, a you know a shit a shit time. So yeah, that's that's something that really excites me. What's your um? This is off script, mate. But what what's your inclination there? Yep. Where do, where do you think it it might head? Uh, and and I guess something that's specifically interesting to me that the work that um, you know Sal Jones has done from um, with the with the dairy calendar and the likes, yeah. I hear, hear nothing but incredible feedback from from the work that she's done. And I know you've been a big part of that. So what's what's some of the exciting things um, that have come of of uh, you putting yourself out there like this, uh, specific to your industry, if you'd like, and and where do you think it might head? Um, so, um, probably one of the, um, one of the sort of the 
I know the greatest um, sort of accolade so far was um, being asked to present at the Australian Dairy Conference in Melbourne back in Feb. Um, that's probably the industry that I work in. That's probably its um, its greatest um, event um, of the year, where you've got um, farmers, um, suppliers, everybody right right across the whole network. Um, you know, and to be asked to, to, to be part of that as a presenter, um, you know, with, you know, the likes of Ronnie Khan and, you know, who um, started up Oz Harvest and things like that, to be, you know, to, to, to be held in that, um, you know, to be held in that esteem and for a completely different reason than potentially beforehand, um, potentially... You know, it wasn't because of my success as a, as a dairy farmer and now a, a farm manager, but it was because of my story um, and the work that I've done around um, being, you know, making me the better person um, and the work that I've done with resilience and, you know, um, mindfulness and, you know, and all that. That, that for me, was probably um, one of the, the greatest... Um, nods or the greatest um you know sort of feather in the cap moments for me was to you know to be asked to present present there even though you've um you know you've experienced yeah. that platform or similar before was it something that made you more nervous doing it as a more oh, authentic version of you absolutely because it was um i i hope you you got the sense that i, I don't hold anything back um, and there was there was people in that room that I that I knew, but they probably didn't really know the full extent of my story. And to be up there um, and to be asked, you know, a series of questions a bit like yours and whatnot, and for them to hear it from probably from me for the very first time, you know, yeah, my anxiety levels were through the roof because you know um yeah I, there was probably a lot of people there who who i who i um took by surprise so it it was it's definitely a harder gig than what i um than what i you know sort of um anticipated it to be yeah amazing man amazing so um this is a bit of a generic question but always enjoy some of the answers that come from it what piece of advice and i know you've already been through a lot and would shortly thereafter go through a fair bit but what piece of advice would you give 18 year old aaron yeah i've been asked this question a couple of times now um the question the my answer would be to be yourself um don't worry about what anyone else is doing um, or what they've got or what they haven't got. And it would, would have been to, to stay true to, to my beliefs at the, my belief and my, um, my values. Um, I reckon if I had done that, um, God, oh, I don't know where I'd be today. I, you know, I was, um, yeah, athletically, um, yeah, I could be anywhere. Um, I was pretty handy, um, but never followed through with anything because of, I suppose, the um, lack of respect, the lack self-respect, the lack of 
been able to discipline um, all the other things I had going through my head just sort of um, stopped me from pursuing anything, you know, for a significant amount of time. It's crazy um, when you ask that question and, and you obviously speak to a lot of people and in a very candid environment, you'd think that people would um, most frequently harshly judge their former self, I guess, but it's crazy how often the answer or part of the answer to that question is, I wish I had have backed myself more at the time and, and that I tended to, um, you know, fall away from my path when I was too worried about what other people think. You, you, you'd, think yep. you'd think at face Absolutely. value before you'd spoke to people that it would be, oh, 18-year-old me was a knobhead and blah, blah, blah. It's like, no, 18-year-old me was, you know, ha- had good values but was very insecure and did yeah. dumb, dumb shit for other people's benefit. Yeah. Probably a pretty bloody good bloke. Um, yeah, uh, I think 18 year old, 19 year old, 20, 21 year old me was, um, yeah, you know, I, I just got lost. Um, and you know, and I, I didn't get lost because I was following other people. I just got lost in my own life, in my own shit. Um, and then my nature I just let it build up and then build up. And then I thought, right, how the fuck am I going to contain this? So then I just went into um, defensive mode and then just started to, you know, block people out and, you know, build the, build the walls and, and, you know, cause I thought that was the best way to deal with it. No, very true to my own experience, mate, I must say. So, um, like, uh, you've probably heard in, in Jake's interview, we were talking about earlier, kind of open the floor at the end of it to to interview the interviewer so um what's what's something you're currently going through or just a a mental health or men's mental health topic that that you're still wrapping your own thoughts around that you'd either like to ask me about or or discuss with with me sort of give you the reins for a moment yeah um so one of the probably what i would like to um ask Braden is what's your what's your thoughts about um Obviously, you're, you you live in a um, in a sort of a, a larger rural area than than I do. What's your thoughts around um, blokes' mental health in your area? And um, do you actually think we're making um, making um, inroads in in getting rid of this stigma, or do you think we're we're sort of um, uh, you know got a long way to go before we can you know sort of make that claim? It's, it's really funny, mate, and something that's come up a, a fair bit as I've uh, sort of initiated my own journey down down this little venture and, and trying to do what I can to, to give a bit back through my own experience, um, maybe. And, and if we specifically talk about blokes don't talk, the, the, the branding and stuff that, that I have for this, this little vessel, I guess, that you, you've been lovely enough to join me on um it was initially meant to be very tongue-in-cheek um in that i thought we were probably 10 years further into that track and maybe that comes from me having living lived in the city a little bit during those periods but i thought we were maybe 10 years further down the track of of guys mental health and breaking the stigma and it being okay to talk to other blokes and all that sort of stuff and um when i spoke initially uh you know doing a bit of a sounding off with people that i trusted in in different fields about what that branding looked and felt like as their first instinct um it a lot of the feedback was that it was harsh and maybe that it wasn't true i I actually 
one of the people was I spoke to my former counsellor from when um, I bottomed out 10 years ago and, and his feedback was even that, um, you know, well, blokes do talk, they just need safety and blah, 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 blah. I'm like, no, I'm, I'm still not sure a lot of them a lot of them do. And, and funnily enough, um, when I've approached uh, your more alpha out there blokes, I guess, who everyone still perceives as bulletproof, who I thought would be a, a really good stigma breaker to have as interviewees. Um, uh, funnily enough, none of them really that comfortable uh, coming on and being as candid as someone like you or me maybe that have have um, bottomed out and, and rebuilt and um, have the opportunity to be braver and, and tell our stories, I guess. So those guys either... Potentially, now I'm, I'm speculating, but potentially didn't want to be seen to be flawed like everyone else and, and, and break the aura a little bit that they carried. Or alternately, even if they had been through a bit and were back out, it maybe weren't um, that comfortable sitting in that emotion uh, again, which as, as we discussed earlier, we both think is, is super healthy to be uh, you know, in, the, in the right environment um, having those conversations and, and revisiting the emotion of traumatic times and, and hopefully being able to carry that weight a little bit easier. Um, so I haven't really answered your question, but in country areas, um, in country areas, I think it's still a big struggle. And when you think about things like men's groups and what you've done with CycleWell and where that's led on to, I think a lot of what's so freeing about those environments other than the choice that you're you're choosing to go and be a part of them, is is that realistically a lot of the the gentlemen you're going to be interacting with, for a start, you know, care, and secondly, are strangers. So it's it's potentially a little bit easier to be candid in that space. Now, um, mm. if if we look at the raw facts of of suicides, um, you know, our suicide numbers. Uh, have increased and, and certain charities love to jump on that. But by capita, um, per capita, suicide rates in Australia have, have steadily actually declined other than key events like Great Depression and stuff where there's been spikes. And, and unfortunately, the coronavirus virus will be another example of that, you would think. But people Absolutely. are, are yep. more aware. Um, it is more of a, a dinner table conversation to an extent and, and things are definitely getting better. It's just, you know... The world's so advanced now, we, we put so much pressure on ourselves to fix all the big problems so quickly or we feel like we're not doing anything about it, you think about um, gender equality and climate change and, you know, men's mental health. And we expect ourselves to fix every major problem in a year when, as a species over the course of time, it's taken hundreds of years to fix most things. We just can communicate so well and everything's so advanced that we expect things to magically go away and it'll probably just take a little bit longer. But... Um, I think it's definitely getting better, um, uh, you know, through the likes of what you do and what I aspire to do. I, I think it makes a huge difference because it, it breaks down the seven degrees of separation. You know, it's it's not, um, you know, someone in the city was on the antidepressants or someone was on the news that was depressed. It's um, my mate or my best mate's dad or my brother or me had some serious issues and, and um, I think that's that's really starting to help and, and and as you've no doubt found already and as I'm still regularly surprised by, once you put yourself out there as someone who's um, flawed and rebuilt or broken and rebuilt and certainly approachable on the topic, shall we say, um, it's amazing the people that have been waiting for that to reach out. So I, I definitely think it, 
it is improving. I, I think it's probably still worse in the country than it is in the city, like anything. But I think we're we're really getting there. It it just seems to be, you know, what I, I, it'd be good to get your uh, um your opinion on this is that, you know, like I want to talk about it and I want to share my story because I, I, I want the people to hear, you know, the truth about it because it's, it's like it can be really, really confronting to some people and by sharing as well is it's not just helping the, those who are in it or potentially in it and want to get out of it. It's also trying to help those people who are the outsiders looking in. Oh, in, in um, incredibly and, so. And how, and how confronting it is for them as well. Um, so I, I don't know what your demographic listener is, but do you sort of hope that um, by doing your podcast and whatnot that, you're also sort of reaching out to those who may be listening, thinking, oh, shit, how am I going to, how can I help my brother or how can I help my husband or how can I help my dad? Um, what, what's your thoughts of, um, about, you know, about that, trying to, to, to share it that also yeah, we help those type of people as well? I, I think, you know, communication is education, is, is ultimately... Um, the reality of it, specific to my my limited um, demographics so far, uh, you know, I'm I'm aiming it at us per se, uh, without yeah. with, without any harsh edges. But what what I I will put out there is meant to be um, approachable to, let's say, sixteen to fifty plus year old men and, and consumable by, but without any restriction um, or, or harsh edges that mean that the people that are in their network uh, that you um, allude to um, won't hopefully find that attractive. Um, but as you and I probably know too well, it's one, one of those things that becomes far more interesting to you once you're affected by it. So um, if they have a, a male or even female in their life that's going through some stuff or that they feel isn't quite right um, and that plants a seed that, lets them see something like what we're up to and, and consume the information and, and hopefully be in a better position to approach them and, and be a support than, than fantastic. A- abs- absolutely. But um, specific to the question, it's, it, it's probably my target audience is uh, blokes who might be struggling um, a- and yeah. the people in their network consuming the content is just added bonus. So, And, and I think the more guys that uh, are like us happy to express and explore what they've been through, um, the more guys are out there, let's say, educating the people around them because I think that's a harsh term, but uh, all these topics have stigma. That's what we're working on. I mean, a good example that come to mind when you ask the question, and I was actually up at my my mum and stepdad's a couple of weeks ago, um, and it was when, as we've spoken about away from the podcast, when I wasn't having a, a, a great time at, at home myself and, and um, spoke about... Uh, it come up in conversation what I went through sort of 10 years ago and and my mum trying to be supportive and needing to say something but not necessarily being, um, you know, great at that, said a bit of a throwaway line about um, how that narrative that we hear about how suicide is uh, selfish, I guess, how you're leaving the pain with with your family and the people left behind and and, and 
I respectfully, obviously, and with a lot of love because it's my mum, I, I just had to shut it down. I said, it's, it's not true and it's not a safe thing to say. I said, no one who is mentally at the point of willing to end their own life has a sane understanding of how many people care about them and will miss them. It's, it's not the processes that's going on for them. It, it's, you don't, no yep. doubt, know very, very well. But when, when I bottomed out, I promise you I wasn't fucking sitting around weighing up my pain versus giving pain to the people that cared about me. In, in, in my mind, my life was fucked and, and I wasn't overly aware of how many people loved and would miss me. Otherwise, I wasn't going to be in that position. So um, I, I just very respectfully, but I, I, I stopped that in the bud because she's, she's someone that's involved in her church and community heavily. And the last thing I'd want is for her to be out there, um, you know, basically reciting a... A, a, a motivational meme that she's seen on Facebook about suicide that suggests that it's a safe, a selfish decision because it's for someone that's going through that. There's nothing fucking selfish about it. That's not what's on their mind. And no. and, and I guess that's what I I would hope you talk about. Um, just the classic for for evil to prevail. Uh, all that's required is for good men to do nothing. I I'd hope that there is enough um, good men and women around people with mental health problems out there that can become educated. And, and that flow onto a better educated community. Yeah, look, if, if we can um, shoot down that rabbit hole just for a minute around suicide, I, I remember I had a conversation um, with someone once before and it, I, I said to them, you know, a bit the same, you know, um, as you would do conversation with your mum. I said to them, yeah, but hang on a minute, yep. Yeah. I can understand why you may think that it's a coward's way out, you know, and the, the pain and the hurt that you're going to leave behind. I said, but you've got to think of one thing, and that is the amount of pain and hurt that that person is in to get to that position, it's undescribable. It, you know, they're not a fucking coward because – the amount of pain that they're putting up with, um, the amount of uh, pain they're in, both mentally, physically. I know when I was at that point, I, it, I was absolutely wrecked. Like it would just, it absolutely wrecked me for days and days and days just thinking about it, just, you know, even contemplating going, right. This is it. I, I can't go anywhere further. I can't do it. I'm out. No one will miss me. The fucking toll that that takes on someone, both physically and emotionally, they're not a coward. It, the, the, it, and that, that's something that I think is a great thing to share too. It's that you can talk about it. it, it suicide isn't something that you, you, know, you can just gloss over. Explore it. Talk about it. You know, like, yeah, and... By talking about it, I hope that if someone's thinking about it, they might just take a step back and go, hang on, no, fuck, right, yep, yep, yep. You know, someone acknowledges the fact that I'm in a lot of pain here, I'm hurting. This could be somewhat normal, but how do I deal with it without doing something so drastic as taking their own life? You've got to talk about it, and you know. I just, if you didn't mind, I just wanted to shoot down that 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 rabbit hole just for a second because I think it's really important. And you know, it's um, it's not, yeah, it 
it's it's not you're not a coward. Um, it's yeah, it's something that is very painful, and yeah, to get to that point, I know the pain, and it's I've never yeah I've never experienced pain like it to be quite honest. Yeah, and, that, and entirely, um, entirely true of my own experience, mate. And thank you so much for you know giving your own um, your own account of that. It was it was something that had always rubbed me the wrong way in terms of I guess unfortunately having been around um, those those three very close mates and seeing the way that people grieve and deal with that and whatnot. It's it's obviously one of the first you know, memes of that, memes probably not the right word, but posts of, the, of that nature that um, it doesn't solve anything. Uh, like, I, I know that people need to find a way to articulate what they're going through, but it's yeah. it's just not, not true. It's not an accurate um, representation of the situation and it's potentially dangerous to, to put that shame out there on someone because it's, it's not true of what they're going through. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, man, I... Yeah, totally agree. Obviously... Um, I dare say that have you on this again, and uh, and I really hope that we get to do some some work in the space that comes up. But um, for, for now, uh, that's that's kind of the end of end of what I wanted to go through. Is there anything else you wanted to cover yeah. before we wrap up the recorded bit? Nah, thank nah. Look, just um, once again, I just want to thank you, Braden, for the work that you're doing, um, and for the opportunity to come onto your podcast. Um, yeah, it's that it was uh, fantastic, and thanks for reaching out. No, uh, absolute privilege and shout out to um, Sammy and, and Dennis Reynolds. Obviously, um, you know kinfolk of you in the in the dairy industry, beautiful people from up up Snowy Riverway, um, who have also done a bit of work with with uh, Sally and the and the calendar and and supporting uh, mental health and men's mental health in in rural areas. And and um, a, you know, real privilege to have a, have a yarn to you. And uh, I very much look forward to the next opportunity, man. Me too. Been a pleasure. Blokes, thanks again for tuning in. Really hope you got something out of that. Start having those conversations with your mates, with your family, with a mental health professional if you need to. There's absolutely no shame in it. If you want to reach out to us or follow along, we're on Facebook or Instagram under Blokes Don't Talk. Uh, And to listen, we're available on all your good podcast platforms. Share it with a mate. Even if you're not quite sure, worst he can do is tell you he's not that interested. Might come back to you in a month or two and, and have really got something out of it. Thanks again. Talk next week. <laughs>